Great. Um, let me allay some of your fears because everybody coming in here, um, I'm sure there are some people who peeled off and went back to the parking lot when they saw that um, the nine o'clock hadn't let out yet. But um, we're going to do our best for you. Um, I want to thank you for all your prayers, um, for all your support. Um, last weekend was a bit scary for me, a bit scary for Cherie. Um, I was on a business trip from Tuesday through um, Friday. Uh, in Houston for my full-time job. And I was supposed to come home, flew into Grand Junction, but um, I needed to go to the um, Grand Junction Hospital for a little while. Um, But my heart is okay. Um, That's the good news. The thing that we were um, concerned about, uh, which was artery blockage, is not the case. And uh, we're still going to have to do some work to figure out um, what caused what happened. It was interesting at the nine. Um, there was a, a graduate of Western who was with us in, in Houston who said, yeah, you look like crap in Houston. I'm like, really? Thank you. Thanks for, thanks for telling me. Um, you know, that's, that's the love of a brother. Um, um, when I was in the hospital in Grand Junction, John and Lois Roberts, many of you who know them, um, live in Grand Junction now and, and came to visit me. And um, his message was this. Said, Tom, your maker is trying to send you a message. Did you get it? So this was a week of rest and prayer and soul searching. And, and I got it, John. I got it, God. I got it. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about that. Um, I am clearly under too much stress. I... Um, take on too much anxiety um, and I need to cut back and I have to slow down, make some difficult choices about what I do and what I don't do. Some of you are wondering um, what this is. This is a log. (laughs) He said, glad to see you preaching with props. Well, I always go long when I have props. So I always go long when I don't have props. So Um, this represents the mantle of the mission of God for Bethany. And um, while I have a lot of gifted and beautiful help, um, I was trying to shoulder too much of it. And uh, in so doing, um, I've kept some of you from needing, uh, taking your place in the body. And I've repented of that this week. And I'm apologizing to you for it. Um, It's no shock to those of you who frequent this place that I am weak and broken, Um, but uh, I continue to realize how much of both and how good God is and how enough he is. Um, So we'll be talking a little bit about that. We're going to take a week. uh, We're going to hit the pause button on our Revelation study for a family meeting. So that's what we're doing. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, We're going to pick it up in verse 7. Paul is writing about spiritual gifts. If you're ready, let's go. If you're not ready, let's go. Uh, Here we go. Verse seven, he writes, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Okay, stop there. Now, uh, look at the first two words of this because they're important. To each, to each. By the way, Josh, Duff, so great to have you back. He's a missionary and he's back home. Um, To each, to each of what? To each believer, to each follower of Jesus Christ, to each Christian, to each one who realizes, like me, that we are not enough, but he is more than enough. He's our everything. To each one, each one of us, is given what? Is given a spiritual gift, a spiritual superpower gift is given to each one of us. Do you realize that? If you belong to Jesus Christ, if you have given your life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has given you a spiritual superpower gift. Even those of us who can't figure out on Facebook how to delete all those Farmville posts. If that's you, Really? You need a new shovel? Really? Okay. Even to us, 
The Holy Spirit has given a spiritual superpower gift to each and every one of us. And that has a burden, a blessing, and a burden of responsibility, a beautiful burden. And, and, and so if you do not yet belong to Jesus Christ, if you've not yet uh, surrendered to him and embraced him and accepted him, your spiritual superpower gift is still in the box, still wrapped under the tree. But, but it's yours the moment the moment that you surrender, the moment you embrace and accept Jesus Christ. And that could be this morning for you. I don't know. Um, But it's for what? For what? Did God give us this spiritual superpower gift? Is it so that we could be popular? Is it so that we could have a great career? Is it so that we could be successful? Is it so that we could make a lot of money? No, 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 and no. No, what is it for? The last part of the verse, for the common good. It is for God's mission. Check this out. Not only your spiritual superpower gift, but everything that you know how to do, outfitting, uh, law, teaching, learning, um, medical, uh, everything, everything that you know how to do and that you're good at. God has given you the ability primarily and ultimately for his mission, for his mission, not for our personal mission. And, and I would say, uh, this is a dangerous thing and I'm gonna get emails, but I'm gonna tell you that if our personal mission as Christians is not God's mission, then we're not following Jesus Christ, regardless of how often we show up in this building. If our personal consuming mission is not God's mission in the world, then we're faking it and we're not following. But, but, but the invitation is for us to do that through the church to serve others for the common good. It's not for our personal use to advance our personal life mission. Whatever you and I can do, God has given us to do to to serve other people, to be his light, to be his salt, to, to be living proof of, of, of that for other people. And that has huge implications about the way you and I live. Huge implications. Verse eight. For to one is given through the spirit, the utterance of wisdom, and to another utterance of knowledge um, according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All, all these are empowered by the one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now, this is amazing. This is so beautiful. We are, um, you are, if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are part of like a mosaic, right? You ever seen that? Uh, a, A huge picture made up of little tiny pictures that are different. But when you, when you back up and you squint a little bit, then, then they become something else. You are part of the mosaic of the image of God, right? For, for all of us who like me have said, I hate my body. I hate my body. I don't have a good body. Uh Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Your body is part of his beautiful body, the body of Christ, right? Right? That is so awesome. Gifted as each of you are, empowered as each of you are to be the body of Christ, right? Not just to talk about the body. And when we talk about body, we, we think that means group. We have a body of believers. We have a body of people. We have a body of cars. We have, no, a body. The image of. And if, okay, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. God's glorious mission, that's what it's for. To bring people to a knowledge, a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, into life, into freedom, into hope, into new life that only he can offer. And to glorify him, to glorify him. And each one of us has a part. Okay, continues, verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and, although, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, <laughs> 
So it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves and free, all who are made to drink of one spirit. It doesn't matter. Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians, whatever stripe you are, freaks and jocks, Jews and Gentiles, Gunnisons and Texans, even. Yeah, 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 really. People who dress like church people, act like church people, the pierced, the tatted, the pretty, the ugly, everybody, all one body, a beautiful body. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body, even if those feet stink. And some of you do. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body. Give, see it again? Each one of them, every single one of them, as he chose. If all the body were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Okay, stop there. We need to be all together, all in, all in, all doing our part, each carrying our part of the weight of the mission of God through this church. And sadly, I've kept you from being able to do that. Um, If we aren't all in, then what we are is a bunch of disjointed, amputated body parts, not the body of Christ. Do you follow me? So whether or not you and I sit on the sidelines or get in the game, whether or not you and I are all in or sort of in, whether or not you and I attend church or are, the church matters enormously, enormously. Because if we're not all in, then, then what does the body look like? It doesn't look like Christ. It might look like a, a, an amputee or a, a paraplegic or, or some freakazoid with a third arm growing out of the back or something, Right? but we're to be the body and he's gifted each one of us and each one of us matters. And what I hope you'll see in this passage is not only that, but what Paul has not said, what God has not said in his word. There is no biblical context for a believer in Jesus Christ who is indwelt I mean, the Holy Spirit living inside of him or her who has received this spiritual superpower gift to be a spectator, to be merely a consumer. There is no spiritual context for that. It's inconceivable from the word of God to not be all in, to not be all about God's mission. To not, you see, How many of you play sports or have played sports, organized or disorganized? Yeah, I tried. I was, you know, um, sadly, uh, because uh, my trying provided entertainment value for those around, uh, I stopped. But I understand this, that when we play sports, if we suit up and, and we come to the practices, which is what this is, and we don't get game time, That's frustrating, right? I know of which I speak. However, there's a dichotomy in the church. We seem to be, not just this church, but but most American churches, we seem to be very fond of wearing the uniform. We seem to be very fond of coming to the practice. But when game time comes around, we'd rather stay on the bench, see it's safe there. And, And it's not very demanding. And we get to come and, and consume. We get to come and um, 
and eat. We get to come and be fed. Um, if, if you and I come to be served and are not also serving, if you and I come to be fed and are not also feeding, then this place, then, then Bethany has more in common uh, with being you, one of your favorite spiritual restaurants than it does the place where you are part of the God Mission Church. Regardless of how often we come, there's no spiritual context for that. You are gifted and you are needed and you are empowered and, and you are called and we all are to allow the Holy Spirit to, to use us in God's mission. And in so doing, all those other missions that, that are folded into that of your family, of your life, of your career, of your, they automatically come to life in a beautiful way that we could never find on our own. They're not compartmentalized. It's all part of the same whole. And I may have kept some of you from taking your place in the body, from using your spiritual superpower gifts, from becoming all in. And I've repented of that. And again, I apologize to you. Let me explain. I need to cut back, uh, not just for my health, but for the health of this church, for the health of God's mission. God's mission in the world through Bethany. Um, I need to go back to the way it was supposed to be. And that affects all of us. I need to provide some background and you'll see why in a second. Um, a little history. Um, about six years ago, I was leading worship at a community church. Sheree says it was okay. But I think it was like those American Idol things. I do. With the outtakes of the people during the cattle call auditions, right? Pants on the ground. You know what I'm saying? A lot of enthusiasm, not a lot of ability. I'm sorry. That's how I feel. I was doing that and I had um, this incredible ache in my heart. Not like the ache in my heart um, last week. A different one. This, this burden, this um, consuming desire that um, started to come over me was the desire to preach God's word. Um, I had this such, such a desire that I, I wouldn't sleep. Um, believe it or not, I was having trouble eating. Can you really? That <laughs> Was that severe? Yeah. Um, I needed to tell people. I needed to share with people how much God loves them. Whether they're believers or they're far from God, it doesn't matter how much Jesus loves them. I, I needed to, to share with people how he came on a rescue mission, right? The gospel, the God coming to rescue us from ourselves, right? And how he came and lived the perfect life as our substitute. And that is such good news for those of you who are like me that, that always feel the need to measure up to, to be perfect. You see, Jesus was beautifully smart for all the times when you and I have been dumb. He was wonderfully loving for all the times when you and I hate. He was ultimately victorious for all the times that we lose. He was always right for all the times that you and I are wrong. And he offers, get this, he offers to credit to us all the good things that he did. So the pressure to measure up, the pressure to be good enough, the pressure to be perfect in Christ is gone. I am weak and I am broken and I am unworthy. But in Christ, I am Christ. That doesn't make you humble, but blessed, right? We are free to fail because he succeeded. Not only did he live as our substitute, he died as our substitute. The Bible tells us that every 
thing that you and I thought, said, did, that displeases God, that hurts people, that drives a wedge in the relationship between us and God now and will forevermore. All that stuff that we hope people don't know about us. He knows. He didn't only know it and love us anyway. He took it upon himself. That and every bad thing that has ever been done to you, every abuse, every slight, every molestation, every, every hurt. He took that upon himself. The Bible says he became sin. Jesus became all the wretched things about Tom and about you. And he walked willingly to the cross to die as our substitute as our substitute, to be executed by who? By the Romans, by the Jews? No, by God. The execution that I deserved, the punishment that you deserved, he took it upon his perfect self so that you and I are free from that. He defeated it. He paid for it. He washes it away. So not only does he offer us all the good, not only does he take all the bad, and all the judgment, and all the sin, and all the guilt, and all the shame. But he rose again to new life, not as our substitute, but as the first of many who would come after in him and have new bulletproof life so that we don't live this life of ever-increasing death that is swallowed up in death. We live in Christ, a life of ever-increasing life that gets swallowed up in life. Do you, do you see? Do you see how he, he turned it all on his head? So, so this is all his life, his death, his resurrection for us free as, as a gift if we will just receive him, if we will come and turn our backs in repentance over, trying to find life apart from him and come to him and empty ourselves out and say, I'm nothing, you're everything. I want all that stuff. I want all of you. I had to share that. I had to preach Jesus in every scripture, Old Testament and New. And I had a great fear that God would never call me to do that, that I'd be left on the sidelines and on the bench. And it was tearing me up. But we had this woman who came from Colorado Springs. I had never met her before. She had the gift, one of the gifts we talked about, the spiritual superpowers. Hers is prophecy. And it's kind of a spooky gift, but it's a great one. It's not like a psychic. It's, it's like hearing from God and speaking, right? And she was doing a Saturday morning um, seminar at a community. And I went with Cherie, and um, I was sitting in the back, and I swear I was crying through almost all of her presentation. And then at the end, she put a chair up in the middle and she said, does anybody need prayer? And I just stood up. It was me. And I walked and I sat in the chair and I did just tears streaming down my face. And she says, do you want me to pray for you? Uh-huh. And I said, um, do you know what I need prayer for. And she closed her eyes and she put her hands on my head and she prayed, dear father, this man feels your call on his heart to preach your word, to preach the gospel. And he is afraid that you will never call him to do it. And I will never forget I am continually amazed at how God showed up in that moment. One week later, I get a call from one of the elders here at Bethany. Uh, I'm sure all the people they tried to call prior to that were not home. Um, but I, I got a call, and, and, and the message was this. Our pastor has, has left for, gone to another church, out of town, out of state. And we need somebody to, on an interim basis, just fill the pulpit to, to preach. Um, would you be willing to consider doing that? I'm like, yeah. 
And I can't ever really get over how God showed up in, in that moment. That, after talking with the leadership at Community, it was one of the easiest, and praying with Cherie was one of the easiest decisions we ever had to make. And so, uh, yes, yes, absolutely. Um, and um, they went and they had a search committee and then they did a search and it didn't lead to uh, a candidate. Um, so uh, a little bit later, the search committee came and, and said, would you, because things were going okay. You know, I hadn't, I hadn't made too many people that mad yet. Um, you'll find out more about that in a minute. Um, <laughs> Okay, that laughter hurts a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, moving on. Uh, we haven't found a candidate, and so would you consider making this, um, this preaching responsibility uh, more permanent? Now, that was a harder, that was a harder thing and, and something that Shree and I had to pray about, you see, because I have a, a full-time job. Um, I'm one of the vice presidents at, at the college and, and the executive director of the foundation. And, and it's, it's not a, a punch-a-clock kind of 40-hour-a-week job. Um, it involves nights and weekends and, and trips like I took last week around the country. Um, and we had two high schoolers uh, here at the time, and they meant the world to me. And my marriage to Cherie, we just celebrated 25 years in December. She and, and my commitment to her to serve her uh, means the world to me. And, and having a, a life uh, where, where you're not always, always going and going. And um, that was important to me. So I, I talked to the elders here and they understood all of that and said, we have the same concerns for you and for your family. So here's how we're going to structure it. it it's going to be different than, than most places, right? Most places that have a full-time in-house, you know, pastor, this will be different. Um, your responsibilities will be half-time, only include preaching on Sunday, setting the vision for the church. Um, every fifth week, you'll, you'll have the week off, you know, so that you can um, refill spiritually, so that you can spend um, time with your family and, and all of that. Um, and the people will rise up and we will protect you and we'll, um, we'll fill in the gaps. And, and I had two other two other things that I said, you know, this has got to be the way it is because this is what God has placed on my heart. Um, we have to preach Jesus in every scripture, Old Testament and New, and the gospel to the believers and non-believers because we are never going to get to the end of the beauty and the power of the gospel. It will take us an eternity, which is why we have that offered to us by God. Second thing is we must be we must grow to become a broken, continually repentant church that is outwardly focused on those who don't look like us, act like us, vote like us, please us, hang with us, or know Jesus Christ, rather than be inwardly focused to create our own preferred church culture. And they were cool with that for a little while. I don't mean to ever say I did things right. I didn't. I did a lot of things wrong. I broke a lot of hearts. I offended a lot of people. I did not have the kind of grace that God would have me to have. <clears throat> but there are three key elements to a ministry. Okay, there are a lot. But these three keys two of which never change, and one of which needs to always change. And they're this, God's mission, God's message, and our methods. The Bible, very clear about God's rescue mission of love to everybody, never changes. Never changes. God's message of how that happens, how he came, how he loves, how he saves, how he redeems and calls us home, never changes. The words we use, the style we use may change. The message never changes. So Bible, very clear about the message, very clear about the mission. The methods, 
they need to change all the time to reach a culture that is always changing. If you were to put this church in Zimbabwe, we couldn't keep doing stuff the way we do stuff, right? First of all, they don't speak the language, right? Secondly, there are cultural sensitivities and realities that they wouldn't even be able to relate to. Same for Gunnison. Same for Gunnison. They don't speak our little churchese. They don't do life the way we do life. It doesn't make sense. So the methods always have to change. So the Bible calls us to love the mission, God's mission, to love the message. The problem is, the problem is that many, many of us, maybe most of us, fall in love with the method, even if it doesn't work. Even if there's no one coming to Christ. That's how I like it. Some of you think, well, he's on a head trip. He got a church, right? And, and he's going to make it the way he's always wanted it. He probably always dreamed of a circular thing. And as, my, as great as Eric and the team do, this ain't my style of music. I'm a nerd. You know who my favorite worship leader is? Don Moen. You know who he is? For some of you, he's the Barry Manilow of, of praise and worship. You only listen to him in the closet. I don't think he owns a drum. But you know what? It's not about me. If we lived in a culture where people were listening to bagpipe music, Eric would be learning to play the bagpipes and wearing a skirt. You know why? Because it doesn't matter. It's not about me. It's about Jesus and it's about the people who do not yet know how much he loves them and are dying because of it. Not only spiritually, relationally, economically, in sense of purpose, There's many of us who nod our heads, but wait until the method changes again. And so what happened was the elders um, left, left. Every last one of them except for your husband. Um, Roy and Lynn Craner, um, stayed. Roy was on the elder board. He is now the chairman of our elders. And if I told him every day how much I love him and how much I lean on him and need him, it would not be enough. I love the men who left too. Being repentant Sounds good. But there's a common misconception that as we grow in Christ, we become less and less in need of repentance, less and less in need of the cross. It's exactly the opposite. As we grow in Christ, we become more and more aware of how far we are and how desperate we are. That's a tough if you think you're doing really, really well. And if you love the method, then it doesn't matter to you whether the message is bearing fruit or not. You go to a place where you can have the method that you like. And this is not about throwing rocks. It's just about where this whole thing has been. I want to tell you, I'll show you why it's so important. Most of the people who were here followed them. Most of the people who were here followed them. 
good people, loving people, godly people. We're a different church. I, I, want, I want you to see something. If you were here then and stayed all the way through, if you'd stand, I know who they are right here. Sue and Jacobs and Marlene, the Craners, the Anders, the Rosses. You guys, there's Paul. It's not a lot. There's even fewer at the nine o'clock. God bless you. God bless you. But those were hard times. Hard times where I would go home and, 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 and pray and say, Lord, really? This wasn't, this wasn't my idea? Weren't, weren't we supposed to reach the city and the college and, and yet your people, your, your, your people who work hard, who give, and, 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 and some of them were really wealthy. I mean, my job, my, 24, my, my main job is to be a fundraiser. Whether it creeps you out or not, it's my job to know how much money you have. I do. They had a lot. How are we going to staff ministries? How are we going to meet a budget? How are we going to do the work that you've called us to do? How are we going to do your mission? How's all that going to happen? We're going to land a plane. You should keep circling, you keep circling. But God was up to something. God was up to something. People who were far from Jesus started to come. Lots of them. People started to give their lives to Jesus Christ and, and become Christians who were not believers before. Lots of them. And people started to get, to get baptized, lots of them. In fact, in the last five years, all by the grace of God, more than 100 people have taken that step and been baptized into the faith. My, my fingers are still pruned. Look at them. Praise God, it's all by his doing. We now have more than twice the number of people worshiping and serving we had before and it's all by the grace of God. But little by little, little by little, as things went, um, I would take more and more of this and more of this onto my shoulders, the mantle of the mission of God for this church, even though, even though we have a remarkable staff, Ryan, it's just such a man of God. Eric, another just sold out, passionate man of God. Josh, such creative man of God. And Marlene, Hart, and, and Alita was on board. And amazing, amazing elders, amazing trustees who continue to set the bar, continue to take a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, until it looked more and more like a halftime traditional pastor or more than that, who just didn't have um, an office here, you know? And some of that was out of desperation and fear and lack of trust in God. And some of it was out of pride and, and needing control. But I shouldered too much and, and, and it kept you from being the body. And, and that's where it all breaks down. And that's where I broke down. Um, I was fighting the model that Jesus had in his word where everybody does their piece. Problem is we don't, many of us have um, a context, a place to file that, an experience of, of that kind of church where everybody is all in. Everybody is doing what they've been called and equipped and, and have their spiritual superpower gift to do, right? We have an experience of the normal church where 80% of the mission is done by 20% of the people and that's not what God is talking about. He's talking about the beautiful body where everybody's all in. And so um, the message message that 
I got was this. Tommy, he calls me Tommy. You are weaker than you feared. But I am stronger than you believed. And I will step up in my people. Get out of the way. It's not about you. Put it down. Can't carry this. Stop trying. You can carry this. You can carry this all the time. And carry this for a lifetime. But you can't carry this at all. Put it down. Not on the ground but on the shoulders of all of his people, us carrying it forward together. So, so that's, that's what this is about. Then we see him glorified. Then we see the beautiful church that maybe we've only read about, but have never experienced. Then we see a city and a college transformed by the love and mercy of Jesus Christ. Then we see him glorified. Then we see our purpose. Sri, um, my wife wanted to say a few words and then we'll, uh, we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper and you can go. She's hot, right? <laughs> Sorry. Just love you. I'm going to pay for that. <laughs> Six years ago, I used to be where many of you may be right now. I was a churchgoer, coming on Sundays, appreciating the message that the pastor gave, but never really understanding or ever thinking about what it took for him to prepare it. I never imagined the weight it put on him the time and energy it took, the spiritual attacks, the unending expectations, the emotional and physical toll, the toll it put on his family and his relationships and his marriage. Pastors don't share that. And people don't think about it. And the loneliness, wherever he goes, He's always the pastor, and his wife is always the PW, the pastor's wife. We don't get to be just Tom and Sheree to people anymore. I never wanted to be a pastor's wife. I fought it for a long time. It scared me too much. People expect a pastor's wife to be perfect, to say the right things, to pray the best prayers, to have a scripture for every situation to have it all together, which I so don't. It scares me so just to talk to people. I knew I never measured up, and I'd always disappoint. Then God put it on my heart that I didn't have to be any of that. What he was calling me to be was just what I was, a wife of a pastor. My role is to be just that, his partner, his biggest supporter, to love him with all that I have and to protect and take care of him as best as I can. I knew I could do that. And that's why I'm speaking to you today. I know with all my heart that the mission of Bethany is God's mission. But I also know that in order to keep doing it, it's going to have to look different than anything we've ever seen or experienced before. Since Tom has been here, we've always been a church that has broken the mold to be real, transparent, to shake things up, to do things different. And that's what God is calling us to do again, to do things different. 
We've seen God work powerfully in the past. We have to trust that he will do it again. Truth is, I'm scared. So much is at stake. The people of the city and the college who don't yet know Jesus, we, all of us, need to let them know of his love. Tom can't continue as he has. I can't let him. I'm scared that if you don't get that, it means one of two things. That he won't be able to preach the gospel here at Bethany anymore, and he won't be forced to forgo forgo his calling here. Or he will try to do it as he has in the past without everyone carrying the mantle, and that will literally kill him. I'm doing my best to take care of him, and I'm hoping and praying you will do the same. This, um, since we have um, started exporting the gospel, more of you are doing more than ever before. And it needs to continue. It needs to grow. It needs to go until all of us are all in. Are all in. Shouldering the mantle, marching together into a world that desperately, desperately needs Christ. I'm putting it down, but not putting it away. Um, all of us, all of us who belong to Jesus Christ can, can take a piece, can take a piece. And um, he's going to do miraculous things with it. We're going to um, celebrate the Lord's Supper, receive God's, uh, Jesus' body and blood, the symbols of it. A- as you do, um, if you want to um, symbolically um, do more than receive his body, but be his body, then a- a- as you leave the table, if you, if you would just, just pick up a piece and take it with you and save it and let it remind you that we all, we all are are carrying uh, just a little bit and he is carrying us and we're going to be all about his his mission. Um, Doing it wrong has eaten up and spit out better men than me. I I would love to serve you and, and serve him we, we have to do this. So um, in a minute, we'll, we'll, we'll take the, the elements. And, and if that's on your heart, then, then take one of these with you as you leave. Um, let's pray. Lord, um, I am sorry. I'm sorry for my pride. I'm sorry for my control. I'm sorry for not trusting you. I'm sorry for keeping people from playing the part that you've equipped them and empowered them and gifted them, pray, to do. Lord, I ask that um, as you set my heart right, that you would um, set all our hearts right. Lord, that you would um, build your church. You will build your church, you said, Jesus. The question is, do we want to be part of that building process or do we just want to watch it happen? Lord, we, we, I pray that we all want to be part of that. Take our peace, carry our weight, serve joyfully, and in that find you in a deeper and fresher way. Um, if you're here and um, still praying, um, and, and all of this talk about being all in and belonging to Jesus Christ and having him live as our substitute and die as our substitute and rise as an example of how he wants us to rise to new life. You say, um, I've been in church or I haven't, but God has been at an arm's length. Um, I have never 
receive Jesus Christ like you described. I, I don't have that spiritual superpower gift. I don't have his life indwelling me. I have not given myself to him. My friend, there is life nowhere else. He created you. And you are only at home when you're at home in him. We are only whole. We only know what we were created for when we're connected to the creator. When we're set free from expectations and pressure to achieve, when we're set free from guilt and shame, and he's willing to give that to you. How do I get it? You just open the gift. You just receive him. Pray this with me in your heart, if that's you. Lord Jesus, I have heard that you lived perfectly for me because I live imperfectly. I have heard that you died for everything that I deserve to die for. And I have heard that you rose again because you want to give me new life that doesn't end when I stop reading, but continues to grow forevermore. I have tried to find life apart from you. I have tried to find joy and freedom apart from you, and I cannot. So I'm coming to you by faith, turning my back on all my fruitless searching and saying, I need it all. I need all of you for all of me. Live for me, die for me, rise in me. Be my Lord, be my Savior. I trust you. I'm all yours. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer sincerely, we believe that you've become a member of God's family. Um, this is who this meal is for. So uh, if believers uh, want to come and, and receive the elements, receive the symbol of his body and his blood. If, if that's you and you just, you just pray that, come, come grab me, come, um, come grab me on your way up and, and, and we'll do that together. And I'll, I'll make sure you, you can understand how beautiful what we're about to do is. Um, but let's do that as a family. And if, if you're called to, to carry a piece of the mantle as the body, then take this with you. This is not only chips of wood, this is a bonfire that will light and warm a city and a college that is dark and cold and Jesus desperately wants home. Don't trip on this. We're not liable. 